Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Life in Comedy. I'm your host, Will Becton. This is a podcast in which I talk to comedians about comedy, find out what makes them tick, find out what makes them not tick. I'm also curious what it's like to make a living off of a personality trait, basically. I plan on talking to stand-ups, improvisers, sketch performers, comedic actors, humorists, all kinds of comedians, asking them similar questions to kind of find out what is universal with the comedy experience and what is kind of more unique to the type of comedy they do or just themselves as an individual. A little bit about myself. Most recently, I was the engineer of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Um, That was an amazing experience, as you might guess. I was at Team Coco for about 12 years total and was in a lot of interesting rooms with a lot of hilarious people, Conan being one of those, obviously. Prior to that, I performed improv comedy at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. That was like in the early 2000s, and uh, there was a lot of funny people there too. I'll be talking to some of those people and kind of compare notes on what that was like because that was a pretty special time. At least it seemed like it to me. My first guest today is somebody I know from those UCB days. He is one of the most reliably funny people I know and uh, also a really good guy. He was a writer on Key and Peele. He played the much-loved character Garrett on the show Superstore. Ladies and gentlemen, Colton Dunn. We're just two dudes. What are you drinking? Two dudes. Uh, just ginger ale. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Just have a bistro glass. Looks uh, like a very watered down whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like the next morning after mm-hmm. one of my dad's poker games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Well, I am here with Colton Dunn, amazing improviser and wow. now very uh, successful actor. Oh, and, somewhat. And, and, <laughs> and uh, old uh, UCB pal. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. Of course. So we met in New York and it was probably like 2000, I want to say, oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was definitely any later than 2001, I'd be surprised, but we were in a level one class together. That's right. Yeah. Who's our teacher? Pat McCartney. That's right. Pat McCartney. Yeah. And he'd take us to the bar after class. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every class. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing as far as. UCB, especially in the the 22nd Street days. Yeah. Peter McManus, Mm -hmm. that bar was almost like an extension of the theater. Oh, 100%. It was. And I mean, I think in general, back in those days, and and still somewhat now, but there was always like the bar. You know, there was the place you did shows. And then there was the bar that you went to afterwards. And so I feel like sometimes theaters now have the bar built in. You know, IO here used to have that. Yeah. Oh, the winds have changed as far as like yeah. everybody going out after the show. And uh, again, I'm sure some people still do it, but I feel like it's just not the same kind of thing. Yeah. It would be like your your teacher uh, like would, <laughs> yeah. would basically and like... It would be like homework. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you well, know. it was always part of the, uh, like a bit of the identity of, of being an improviser. It's like, that's where the good stuff would really come out. You yes. know, you'd go hang out at the bar and then you'd, 
you know, laugh with your friends. You'd build that camaraderie that shows up on stage. But also, I mean, you might come up with the great bits that you're going to write, you know, like, yes. and that's, but really, you were just like there all assisting each other slowly towards, you know, yeah, <laughs> low yeah, to high fi alcoholism. <laughs> totally. Well, well, people would always say, yeah, it was, it was pretty much a big excuse <laughs> to act like you're doing something like George Costanza, like walking, watching Home Alone at somebody else's apartment or whatever. It makes you feel like you're doing something something um, you're from minnesota right originally yeah from uh, st paul minnesota yeah and then did you move to new york with ucb in mind or, or what what brought you to i new mean york? a little bit the, the theater itself was not open yeah um but i had i had taken a trip after high school i took a year off of school I had a, gotten a scholarship to go to the university of minnesota but the scholarship allowed me to take up to two years off of school so I took a year off, and during that year, I took a trip to New York just to check it out, to travel, yeah. you know. And when I went out there, there was a, a comedy sports show, which I did. I did comedy sports. It's a short form improv. But then there was this, my friend was like, oh, you got to see this other show. And it was a sketch show called the Upright Citizens Brigade. And it was at the KGB Oh, bar yeah. and they had yeah, like a yeah. little that was a, like different levels right yeah it was like yeah, a yeah. kgb bar and then above the kgb bar was i want to say it was called the red room or something that but sounds it was like, right actually it yeah. was like a, a theater up there that did shows you know go there watch the sketch show and it blew my mind yeah. like it was like because that's how they would develop the material for the TV show sometimes, I think right? So. Like, like yeah, I think it was yeah, well, kind of yeah, like around all that one time organism. Because they had like, started, this is a little bit before their TV show. So they were just out there doing their show. Yeah. I believe. Because at the same time, I was also doing comedy sports, which uh, had a lot of members from this other sketch group that was sort of a New York-based sketch group called the Burt Fershners. Okay. Uh, Mike Rock, Chris Tallman, uh, you know, super funny dudes. And also, you know, great, great sketch comedy. But there was just something like about UCB, like there was like, they were kind of like aggressive and they broke some of the rules. Amy was in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you there was know, a prank was, element sort of. There was some prank some elements. Yeah, they, they, they do pranks on the street, which was like, you know, that wasn't like, you know, now it's like people are like, whatever, somebody doing something on the street. But like back then that was kind of like a fresh thing. Now yeah, a lot of people yeah. were doing, you know, hidden camera stuff. Uh, but I just remember, I forget what it was. It was like some scene where Amy Poehler had a boot knife and I, I can't even remember what it was, but she kicked her foot up and had, a knife came out of it. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing in the world to me. And I just remember like laughing about it and just being like, damn, I haven't never seen like a comedy show. Like just like, it was just so raw and like, Dude, she was so electric and, and like, she was just cow. like, and, 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 and uh, as a woman too, like I had just never seen like, people bring it like that yeah you yeah. know and like it, comedians didn't seem like tough or cool you know and, it, and i'm not saying like these guys seemed really cool yeah but um, compared to like short form compared you know, to short form or you know just somebody like ian roberts you know like because then you had like ian roberts who looked like a, a football coach yeah yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he didn't look like he'd be doing comedy much less you know doing any acting or yeah. anything like that and like he's this like just aggressive way of like get with the way I remember the way he would get angry, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I just thought it was so amazing. And then and then yeah, my friends were doing the comedy sports and the Burt Firshners. And so I just decided to move out there and move out to New York instead of go to college. 
And that was, uh, I guess, had to be 97, 1997. Wow. Yeah, because the level one class, it was like, basically, UCB made everybody take level one, even if you had some experience, because like you were well seasoned. Like by the time I met you, you were already like, a really good improviser, well, especially compared yeah, to other I mean, people I, in that class. Well, seasoned would be a weird. Well, way. I was, I was definitely, yeah. I knew how to do improv because yeah. I, had, I had started in high school doing, you know, short oh, form gotcha. improv okay, comedy, yeah. and then yeah, I had, you know, you know, if we met in two thousand, like I didn't, you know, the theater opened yet. Yeah, probably I'd been already out there for about you know two three years. Yeah, yeah. In the city, doing, you know, I did shows with you know Victor Varnado. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that yeah, guy, but yeah. we like Victor's went out and did shows. Super um, funny, yeah. You know, at the time I was also though still very young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time, but uh, well, but the uh, com- but, but comedy it, speaking, comedy you, speaking, you, yeah. I I was I was yeah. So I would still have to take the class, but you know that that was back when the theater was smaller, so it was a little easier for them to kind of. They knew that I could do what you know they could be on the Herald team and and because I they gave me internship and I just interned through all my classes. Yeah, because the biggest. The obstacle, obviously, back then was paying the three hundred dollars for bucks, eight weeks. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah, for eight weeks of class, and so I just could never do that. I, I literally yeah. couldn't afford that. I did. <laughs> I had to plead hardship at one time. Actually, Lathan, uh, Rob Lathan, gave me three hundred dollars one time because, wow. I, because I was about to like. Wow. He was like, "Are you going to do level three? And I was like, "Dude, I don't think I can afford it." Yeah. Like, I think I got to like take some time off or quit. And he's like, no, man, like there's no, yeah. like you don't want to like lose the momentum. I still, I actually still owe him $300. Dude, that's, that's good. <laughs> it was, that's, with interest, that's, that's, a, that's a good dude. That's yeah. A good chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. If you did the equivalent of what $300 meant to us then to, well, I don't know what that would be now, but it would be like, I would say like oh, $5,000 like, or something like that. I mean, it was a lot. I, I mean, mean, it would be a lot of a money. Deal. Something that's so expensive that you could now not do it. Yes. <laughs> there was a barrier. <laughs> yeah, a barrier yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, that is a, one awesome. Uh, that's a great story, Rob. That's cool. Yeah. Um, him and stack are like the two, like, if I think of like just the ultimate nice person out of that world, it's like probably Lathan and Brian stack, but level one is so funny because you you have people that are like, like you, like people that are like in it, you know, people that are in it for the long haul. And then you also have people that are like advertising people that are just sure. curious or, or actors that want to like, you know, exercise a certain muscle. Or, especially or, back then. I mean, yeah. especially back then, like, you know, now you're, you know, you could pretty much guarantee most people in there are like there because they want to do maybe just do improv comedy or yeah, even yeah. are clearly like comedy focused or actors. But back then it was a lot more of like a, I'm trying to get out of my shell and be comfortable in yes. public. I, yeah, you yeah. know, work at this one job, but I used to love doing this thing. And the idea of even it being a goal to finish an improv school, yeah, like back then, was not even a they're, thing. They were kind know? of making it up as they went along yeah. a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> there would be like all of a sudden there'd be like a new level. They'd be like, mm-hmm. now there's a level four. Level four, like, guys. Oh, okay, I guess there's a new level. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I still have like literally like Patrick Carone, really good friend, yeah. mag- magazine guy. Like I yeah. texted with him this morning. No, I remember you that. Know, yeah, like, like, we still talk every now and then. I'll like yeah. I message him on Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, Josh Gilbert, too. who I ended up doing the, Josh, the, the Tommy yeah. Chong documentary yeah. with, you know, like significant lifelong friends came out of that class, which is kind of the point. A I little remember bit. Josh one time I had, uh, I got hired for, I think it was like boiling points or like, it was some like 
you know, one of those like random things. It was like one of the first, it was a TV gig I got yeah. hired to do. I got paid, obviously. And I remember I bought like this like hat that I thought was cool, this like <laughs> little like derby cap. And I was like, oh, this is a cool hat. And I got it and I like walked into McManus. Josh is there and he goes, ah, you got a working actor's hat. Did you get a job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, yeah. He he, he know? was <laughs> he was surgical yeah. verbally. <laughs> um, oh man, this it was so funny. This just jumped out of my uh, my head when I was when I knew we were going to talk. Like there was one time because you were on Pound, right? Yeah. Which, which was a great group. It was. I didn't realize it until I looked it up recently. But it was all the naked babies were in pound. Oh yeah, yep. all the naked babies. Um, but it, like one time you took the stage and you like kept your backpack on and and like I don't know if you did this with any regularity, but I remember this vividly. And I would and, give it to somebody or something. Yeah, right? yeah. And it, but it was just like it just had so much like swagger to it. I was just like, holy shit, man! Like, like it, it, just, <laughs> it just like it, like it really stuck. With, I mean, I'm, this is like. 25 years ago and, yeah. I, and I still remember just literally just this one instance of you taking the stage yeah th I think you literally like took it off handed it to somebody yeah, and then I, I mean, started I think there was a while where I was doing that yeah. where I would come on stage with my backpack on and yeah I'd like you just walked off the street like I just like, came in it was yeah. very much it, like I love you said swagger like for me it was like a Mr. Rogers bit you know of like kind of coming in from the day and like taking my stuff off this is my inside I outfit think, what did I do did I put Chris Gethard in the backpack once? That sounds right. <laughs> like, I think there was a one night where he it was either like his last night as the, the manager or he was doing something. I remember coming out and, and that had become a thing that I'd come out in my backpack and I'd open it up and there'd be something interesting in it. And I feel like I, oh, I, I came out of my backpack, I put it down, I opened it up and Chris Gethard got out of my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's double jointed. So yeah, that's yeah, how, no, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, he was young. He was, I mean, he was super young then. So he was small. He really yeah, little yeah. guy. Yeah, he was like, yeah, it's like I always think of like Gethard, Gemberling, and Zach Woods were kind of like yeah. the, the, the prodigy uh, guys or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, those the geniuses that roll in. Yeah, you know, and they're like, oh snap. Yeah. Yeah, they like took the bus up from high school or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Where did these guys go from? <laughs> um, so one thing that's cool to me, uh, because I, you know, having been at that time, like you know, at UCB at that time, and kind of to me, it was obvious it was a pretty special place and and a really good time to be there. But the thing that I didn't really uh, have much overlap with until later was late night with Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Because UCB was kind of almost like the farm system. I mean, yeah. especially for bits. I mean, there were some writers there like like Stack and Secunda was there for a little bit as a writer. And also people like Dorf and uh, McCann would do Ascat and stuff like that. But I mean, you could watch Late Night in almost any night and have a pretty good chance of seeing like you or another UCB yeah. performer like in the sketches. Like Celia, I remember, was the casting person from Conan. And... You know, it was kind of, you know, like you'd see in like, you know, sort of a movie about like a group of theater people where they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so is in the audience tonight. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. you knew when she was at shows. Yeah. Or and, at McManus, I think. Or, or at McManus. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. She'd hang out there too. It's so funny because it's like, yeah, li living through it and looking back and seeing like how like almost it is, you know, very, very just like generic, but also in the world of the genre, like you do a big show, she's there. And then she yeah. hangs out and tells you, you know, I remember her telling me that I, that was a great job in the show. And then like 
Two weeks later, I get a call like, oh, there's this bit. Wanted you to come and do it. And then it's like, once I did that bit, then I started doing more bits. But I also like completely remember sitting there and watching everybody be on Conan yeah. and being like, oh man, I want to be on Conan. Oh, I yeah. could do that. Yeah. It was definitely one of those things where I was like, oh, I really want to get that. I really want to do that. Then I did it. And then I started doing it. Dudes of Plenty was super the, funny. Like, well, and that was the first thing that I did. Really? Too. Yeah. Wow. Uh, on, on Conan. Uh, well, and so, was, was, uh, so that was like a boy band that Andy, they were building a boy band around Andy. Yeah. Am I remembering that right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Andy Blitz was, uh, w had created a boy band gotcha. or he was, he was a songwriter, I believe in it. Um, <laughs> and Conan was building the boy band. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy Blitz wrote the, the piece, I guess. And then, then, so, uh, yeah. And so it was like, it's that time making of the band, you know, all those like building a band on TV, yeah, kind of yeah. like American Idol, but they're like putting together a whole group. And so, Conan wanted to get in on that action, so he built his own band, and of course they're, you know, horrible, and <laughs> he writes a song for him, and it's ridiculous, and he gives us all different, we have new names, and my name was Samantha, <laughs> because, you know, at the time it was a funny, it was funny, he's a guy, but he's got a, a you know, a traditionally female name. Uh, um, we all had different poses, I remember, I, like I had to hit a pose at the end of the song, <laughs> but th then we did a live performance on the show. Oh, you know? wow. Like, we actually did had a choreographer come in and teach us choreography and we like went into the studio and recorded wow. the song and then went out and did a live performance. God, the energy on that must have just been insane. Like it was, there was a unreal. Big, yeah. <laughs> it was I mean, there's a big unreal. difference. I did pre-tapes because like if you work at Conan for a while, like at some point you're going to be in something, yeah. you know, they're just gonna be like, we need you know, a, a laconic guy who yeah. <laughs> looks like he'd rather not be here. Will, get yeah. over here, you know. <laughs> but um, there's such a big difference between the pre-tape stuff yeah. and then, you know, just the tape rolls that they play for the audience and then actually doing something like on the stage, energy-wise. Oh, like, for sure. And like, you know, and we did the pre-tape for the, the kind of the package that they play, you know. But then he's like, and now here's Dudes Are Plenty. And so then we come out and, you know, this is late 90s, right? So... Everybody watches TV, you know, still at this time. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, a, you know, an ever, so to, to be on a live thing on TV that I knew that, like, when I did it, I knew, like, all my random family yeah. members are watching this. That, that's like, the high mom moment. Yeah, like. I mean, it was, you know, and you, I mean, yeah, they don't really, they, unless you, like, play a sport, I guess, you don't really have that sort of live event television kind of feeling that much anymore, but... uh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And I um, can't believe that was the first thing. <laughs> the first thing that's, that I did. That's insane. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like the 10th thing or the 12th thing. And, or like, <laughs> and on top of it, it was like all the other guys were like Broadway, oh. like certified, you know, <laughs> singers and dancers, and then me. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, nobody to like really compare notes with or whatever. No, but, they all but, got the choreography right away and then like had to like kind of adjust <laughs> it a little bit so that I could do what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So then uh, the next big thing, and I had heard about Boom Chicago, but I think you were the first person that I knew that that went like, oh, okay. uh, and um, that place is amazing like that like that yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many people know about 
Boom Chicago, that like outside of the you know comedy nerd uh, yeah, world. Yeah, it's not but... super well known to most people, uh, except for that super comedy kind of nerds sort of know about it. Uh, but Boom Chicago is a American theater, or is started by some American improvisers. It's a theater in in Holland. Uh, it's a Dutch theater, and um, and I say that to respect the uh, you know the length of time it's been there. And a lot <laughs> yeah. of the, the founders of the theater now, I think, have basically become Dutch, and, oh, wow. and they were some of them live there now and raise their kids there. Uh, and it's also, uh, you know, at the time it was populated by pretty much all American improvisers. Now it has a much more diverse, uh, you know, cast. Uh, they have uh, people from Britain. I think they actually have some Dutch performers in the in the show now. Oh, that's cool. People from all over who now learn how to do improv as as improv is sort of spread around the world, which is great. But when I was there, it was it was very much this American style improv comedy theater in the heart of Amsterdam in the Light Supplies Square. Yeah, but I, I had not even heard about it when when I auditioned for that. I didn't know what it was. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Didn't know well, what it was. Dude, I mean, the, <laughs> the people that were there, just insane. Like Jordan Peele, Seth Meyers, Josh Myers, his brother, who's electrically funny, Ike Barinholtz, and like the entire brain trust, pretty much, of Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis, Joe Kelly, and Brendan Hunt. That's right. Amber like, Ruffin. Fucking nuts. Tarek Davis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tarek. Yeah, yep. yeah. I went there when the Tommy Chong documentary played at IDFA which is like this documentary festival there. Okay. I think it was like 2005 or 2006, but I went there and they were still playing the Christmas in Holland <laughs> video that you and Jordan did. That's so fucking funny. I mean, I mean, like basically it's like you guys kind of doing like a riff of how Christmas is different. It's, it's, it's well, like yeah. a rap, but it's like, this is what Christmas is like well, yeah, in Holland. In, in Holland, they do, you know they have a different sort of Christmas mythology. Yeah, so yeah. Santa Santa Claus does not have elves mm-hmm. in sort of their story. Santa Claus has uh, Svarte Pieten, of course, and Svarte Pieten uh, means black peats. Okay, and so the black peats are. You know, now to be you know charitable, they're his helpers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in reality, they were his slaves. Whoa. Being that their version of Santa Claus, which they call Sinterklaas, it's a different guy. So it's not like, oh, they call Santa Claus Sinterklaas. Oh, okay. It's, the, it's like a different guy. He's got these slaves that he brings with him from his plantation down in the south. And they kind of come up and he brings all the gifts for all the good kids. But the bad kids... The Svartapitan grab the bad kids, throw them into a sack, and bring them back <laughs> to Sinterklaas's farm to work. That's the, sort of the that's story. That's like literally the, that's what that's it is. Story. You, if you're bad, you oh will be kidnapped God. into slavery. <laughs> wow. So, so it's you, the video is like, you and Jordan, like on basically on like the streets, of just Van- on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like- it starts off. We're just walking around from the lights of Plein, basically to the museum Plein in uh, in in Amsterdam. So the way that he's portrayed is, you know, they they go out and they hire all these, you know, African and Dutch African actors. No, that's that's I'm lying. So the way that they portrayed Start to Be is just by putting white people in blackface, oh, like no. just straight up blackface. <laughs> oh God! And so. When you would go there, and I think they, I think it's kind of tapered down now. I'm sure if you have any Dutch listeners, they'll be like, "No, we don't do that anymore." <laughs> but well, some people still do it. I, I'm sure. But but back then, it was like not a big deal to them. They thought it was cool. So like around the holidays, and they're they kind of celebrate. It's not like right on Christmas. It's like a little earlier when they start doing a lot of, a lot of the festivities in Holland. 
you know, somewhere around beginning of December, I'm like riding my bike to work and I'm seeing all these kids like super excited with these balloons with this sort of cartoon blackface character. Okay. Who's like, ah! <laughs> oh my God. And like, kids and this is like, your first whiff of this. This, this is, is my first, I, this is, I didn't, I, yes, that was yeah. my first whiff. I don't know what's going, why is this happening? Yeah. You know, and so I get there and somebody kind of explains it to me and I'm like, what? Like, it's blowing my fucking yeah, mind. Yeah. In the meantime, there's like white guys, you know, who are like out like dancing and like little elf things with blackface on. Oh my and, God. And like giving cookies and treats to the kids. Uh, paper noting, I think they call it or something like that. And so like giving like little treats to like the kids and the kids are like, yay. And like kids, you know, they're kids. So it's like any black person to them is Svarta Peton. Yeah. So they start like yelling Svarta Peton to like other black people. Yeah. And they're like, ha ha. Everybody's like laughing, like, ha ha. He called you Svarta Peton because, you know, you're a black guy. Oh my God. You know, and everybody's kind of laughing and you're like, well, what the what? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so that's Whoa. where the, the video kind of came from. Oh man. Sort of us being like, well, we want to kind of you know, acknowledge this and yeah. kind of call it out, you know, like yeah. for what it is. Oh, uh, man. And, uh, so yeah, uh, me and Jordan Peele, which is, is, is now is also very funny. Cause you know, it's, he's obviously he's got his whole breadth of mad TV, which is great, but like to see, you know, sort of this sort of like you know, legacy, you know, epic director, he's like busting out little raps Dude. on. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name. Was it called like Midnight Massive or something? Like it was some, there was a show that I went to and I think it was a late night show, but they played that tape roll like as basically to warm up the audience and it just fucking brought the oh, house awesome. down. And then was Mad TV, was that a direct, did you move from Amsterdam to LA? Or? No, no. No, I moved uh, from Amsterdam back to New York. And kind of started trying to get back involved with the theater for a, a moment at UCB and and tried to get on Saturday Night Live. Basically, oh, wow. that was my goal. I always wondered that. And uh, so I moved back to New York. And, you know, unfortunately, at the time, you know, coming back from Amsterdam, you know, being in my mid-20s, like partying super hard, like I think I had a little bit more – I probably had too much focus on – party lifestyle. And, and just and just <laughs> lifestyle like i also you know was kind of like you know it wasn't great at in my relationships and like and and in and, and, and balancing that with you know working on my stuff so uh but but that was ostensibly the idea was i was going to go back to new york and i was going to bust my butt and try to get on saturday live and uh you know and and in that time frame you know, like I started knowing people who worked at Saturday Night Live, yeah. so that you know it became even more of a reality. And so, like one of the people that I knew worked was, there was, was McKay like, head writer at that point, or was it Tina, or who was the? Uh, I think it was Seth. So oh, Seth Myers. Oh wow! I was able to get my tape in, uh, and they 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 looked at it and they brought me in to do like the the live a live show, like a sort of a pre audition before the. Actual audition, but like they I still did, had to sign like all the contracts, right? Like at like at certain theaters, they'd, they'd be like, do like showcases, and then the, and then this was sort of like, you know, who knows how many more steps would have been afterwards? I don't know for sure, but it was, from my understanding, it was I, if I would have gotten past this part, then I would have done the audition at the studio, yeah, you know, yeah. just just like in the cold room, and then from there. So that that's as far as I got was that show before, and. I didn't make it, and I believe that season they hired Finesse Mitchell. Mm -hmm. 
And then I moved to LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was the LA transition hard, or did you have like no, I mean, like loved it? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Is that can eat uh, certain some people like it's not easy, and other yeah, people. But I yeah, mean, I guess you had a soft landing from because there's so many. Well, Chicago people I there, mean, like, well, don't get me wrong. I was completely broke. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't yeah. like living a cool life, but I also just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, I said, yeah, I was, yeah. you know, I was, I partied a lot, and 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 I did a lot of live comedy shows, and yeah, which usually was, springboarded into a party of some sort, would or at least a hang. Into a party yeah. or a hang, and and I was fairly content just doing that. Like I yeah. wanted to do other stuff, but I wasn't like. I wasn't like hung up. I was just kind of like enjoying yeah. it. And it was like a new, a new place and new people, you know, like, you know, a lot of coming out here was meeting a lot of the Chicago people that had moved out here that I didn't really know too well from New yeah, York, yeah. meeting the, the Los Angeles people who were already here. So I had about a year before UCB, the theater opened up out here Yeah, where I just kind of got to like sort of get in with the comedy scene here. Yeah. And uh, the improv comedy scene. Like and iOS people. iOS and, and uh, you know, ground leans a little bit of that. And like, and then UCB opened and because I was already out here, they just like, let me be a teacher right away. So then I started teaching. Oh, that's great. So I was, I was, I won't say that I like, I made it. Like, it was like, <laughs> you know, cause like, I still remember like yeah. digging through the couch of yeah. Jordan's apartment where I was staying for free, <laughs> uh, just sleeping on it and like digging through the couch, looking Looking for change to get enough change to buy a frozen tombstone pizza from Seven oh Eleven. I remember oh, wow. that, that being a huge victory. That if was I a could win. Pull together that like <laughs> you know two ninety eight or whatever it was to that's to amazing get a frozen pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved your place on Curson. I'm not sure how long you lived there, oh, but the that, that was a party house. Dude, that was that was fun. house Ike Barinholtz and and Josh Myers lived in that house before me. Oh, okay. With Hayes MacArthur. And yeah, I moved in with Mike Petrondo and uh, my old buddy, Andy Ritchie. Nice. A lot of people did live there, stay there. There's a guy named James Pumphrey. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, well, he's super funny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, James James Pumphrey, who's like one of the main guys at Donut, which is like this really big YouTube car channel. But like back in the day, he was just like sleeping in a tent in oh. the living room of Camp Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... Mad TV, Mad TV was interesting because I mean UCB wise, Andy Daly and Donna Fineglass were part of Mad TV. Yeah, but there's a huge Boom Chicago mm -hmm. crossover, very big. And then the next time I remember hanging out with you, kind of in this period, was we we were both at Aspen the same year. Yeah, you were doing I think it was called Crime Scenes. Yeah, the, the, the thing that Joe Kelly wrote. Yeah, Joe yeah. Kelly, Rich Tel Rico. Yeah. Yeah. That was a super funny show, and we the documentary, the Tommy Chong documentary, played That's at Aspen. Right. So I remember us going there, and that was a that was a cool year. The uh, Dave Chappelle block party was yes. that year. So uh, Michelle Gondry and his very, very uh, like Natalie dressed son were kind of wandering around. That's <laughs> You're like, right. Yeah, there's Michelle Gondry and his son. That's and, right. Eliza Coop. Yeah. I remember and, she? I think she won. That year. It was a big year for Aziz. Aziz, Aziz was big. That's uh, that, right. And, and then Whitest Kids. And Whitest Kids. You know, kids. Was, yes, yeah. that's right. It was a, it was fun. And then there was that, do you remember that party at just like the rich dude's house or yeah, whatever? Yeah, dude. 
holy shit yes i do remember that party there was like a movie theater in that house it was insane it was an insane yeah. house yeah, i remember yeah. just walking around being like what the fuck is this yeah i think that was the universal feeling was everybody yeah. was just like what is this Where didn't are somebody we? crazy like, come and start playing piano at some point yes yeah, I can't remember who it was, but it oh was like a, it was like a major recording artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started playing yeah, what, piano and singing. I don't, I don't think it was John Legend, but it was somebody like that. Yeah, it was, it was in that world. Yeah. It was like somebody you were like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember when because Besser, like there was, I think it was what is it? it was UCB, and I think I want to say Three Arts had a house or mm -hmm. whatever, and, and that was a big hundred you know, percent. Yeah. The Three Arts house was yeah. nuts. Yeah, but I remember one time Chappelle came. There was like a party there. He looked around. He just kind of like surveyed the room and then left. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's hilarious. He's like, man, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was you know, such a weird. The Aspen was a weird, fun place. I'm really glad that I had a chance to do that. Me too. That before was the only year I went. I, I felt uh, lucky. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. Aspen was great. So Kim Peel, obviously iconic show and you also get to work with like if not your best friend definitely one of your best friends like yeah. jordan peele sure and also charlie sanders yeah because i remember when you were like at ucb like when we first met uh you would talk about charlie you'd be like oh man my buddy from minnesota is gonna move out here so fucking funny such a good guy like yeah. just wait or whatever mm -hmm. and then he totally just lived wait. up <laughs> yeah. it was, i mean you talked, him up, you talked him up pretty i mean i was like is he really this but he's fucking so funny. i mean I, oh, I, was, yeah. I was on uh, team brooklyn with charlie yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like that guy could make a meal out of anything like any, any any like you just say one thing and he's gone he you know like, just do anything man. yeah yeah he was yeah and I, well we, we grew up together we grew up in the same apartment building oh wow. to, but yeah he he was on key and peel and and then jordan and becky drysdale who was like my roommate when i first moved out to um amsterdam and then later phil augusta jackson and then everybody yeah. rich del rico also great alex rubin good friend of mine yeah, I mean that so much talent on on that show. So what what was the the writers room like? Did they run the room, or they, would they come yeah, in mean, out? Were well, they kind of like too busy to be in no, the room they all were the time? Totally there. We didn't we didn't shoot when we were writing. So oh, we, okay. we wrote everything, and then we went to, and then they went out to shoot. Gotcha. So there wasn't really a too much overlap in the writing process. Gotcha. So they were there, uh, for sure. Ian Roberts, uh, Jay Martell were sort of the the showrunners, and they right. kind of. You know, I guess you would say they ran the room in the sense that they, you know, organized it and and kind of ran it that way. But Jordan and Keegan were obviously always there. And uh, yeah, just a great. I mean, yeah, one of the best. You know, I've been so very lucky uh, with the the jobs that I've had. You know, obviously, there's always like, you know, there's there's crappy jobs everywhere. <laughs> but like with what, you know, a lot of times what happens is people are like, I got what I, you know, dreamed of. And it sucked, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of situation. But with with me, the both the times uh, where I've gotten like a quote unquote dream job, it has completely been that. And you know, awesome. Key and Peel was totally that. You know, we'd get in, we'd probably have our first meeting at like 10 a.m. We do this thing where we have uh, a dookie session where well, which just meant that you float little dookies. <laughs> think of like little floating poops in the toilet where it's like 
just any idea. Yeah, or, like, just, like see if anybody likes something this, like, silly that happened to you on the bus yeah. or something you saw at the mall, and then we try to see if we could turn that into like a bigger, a bigger sketch piece. So kind of had that pitch session, and then we'd just go off and write. And everybody would try to write two or three sketches a week. So, you know, you'd go off after that and maybe have a couple ideas of of sketches to write. And so you'd go like write a sketch or something, go out to lunch with everybody, and then you know, come back, do a rewrite on a sketch, maybe work on something with somebody else or just go home. I mean, it was like, it was just the best, wow. you know, best work day. Well, I got to <laughs> mention uh superstore because that's like, what's gra- that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I rewatched the pilot a couple oh, nights wow. ago. Okay. Fucking dude, really well performed and really well written show. Like, yeah. Like, right. like, like that, pilot. That, yeah. That really strong pilot. Yeah. And your character is just fucking awesome right out of the gate. Did that feel like different territory, like as you're making it, or was it more like once people kind of like saw it and talked to you? Like at what point were you like, holy shit, this, this feels (laughs) like a big thing or whatever. It never did. (laughs) 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 I mean, it just kind of, it was good. I, uh-huh. I don't want to take it. I want to say like yeah, I didn't yeah. think it was good. It, yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. always seemed good, but you yeah. know, like when you know when you're working and you kind of are in the business for a while, like whether or not something is good isn't always the the tell that it's going to be successful yes. and, yeah. and move totally. on from yeah, anything yeah. other than just a pilot, right? Yeah. So I, I definitely thought that it was good. It felt, you know. At first, it felt a little out of my wheelhouse only until I realized it was even more in my wheelhouse because, you know, and even in that first season, if you watch it, like Garrett gets a little bit smarter. Like he starts off, he's kind of dumb or he has some dumb takes every now and then. And that was sort of an artifact from just that I had I had been brought in a lot to play like a kind of a dumb, dumber guy or sort of like an unaware guy. Yeah. A guy with blind spots. Kind sure. Of, yeah. You know, I mean the, the extreme of that would be on parks and rec when I'm just like the animal control guys who are like completely stupid. But yeah. yeah. And so I, I'd, I'd played a lot of those kind of characters or, or somebody who's just bad at their job. Oh, it doesn't, yeah, you know, yeah. it doesn't, and, and Garrett is bad at his job I and mean, he doesn't care about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that I realized the more as, as a series progressed is that it was just like even less about him being dumb and just more about him just being a chill kind of dude. Yeah. Even keel kind of like the way I am. And so uh-huh. it basically got a lot easier because I just literally would just go to work sit down in the chair and go behind the counter. Yeah. <laughs> was, just say whatever they told me to say. I have to like, you know, try too hard. It was wonderful. <laughs> it's interesting for me because me, like coming from my perspective, I'm somebody that did improv a long time ago, basically. Like I, I didn't really continue on. Like I did some performing like in the LA theater, like Finkelstein and I did that, uh, yes. that storytelling show, which Pumphrey was great on, by the way. Yeah. He was kind of a regular, like, and he would just fucking <laughs> let it fly. <laughs> He's got good stories. Yeah, you should get him good, on this show. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. Um, but I haven't done like a Herald in a long time sure. or whatever, you know. But I'm always curious, like, do you think that improv kind of rewired your brain or do you think your brain was kind of already like that and and improv just kind of like was a good fit for Mm. you? Does that make sense? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I mean, improv definitely had to have rewired my brain just because I've done it so much. I think anything you do that much, but I think I probably had a brain built 
to be rewired well by improv. Yeah. You know, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I was, I, I got it, but I also got into it very early in my, you know, when I was in high school, I started, you know, doing improv and doing comedy sports, you know, short form, you know, watching whose line is it anyway and like trying yeah, to play yeah. along, you know, uh, you know, in my house, come up with my own jokes and bits. So, yeah, my brain was obviously, I think, built for it. But I think that definitely the, you know, anytime you kind of commit to something, it can't help but make some sort of, you know, changes and it also, in a way, it helps you a lot in reality, but also, and in a way, it doesn't because everything is kind of a comedy scene to me. Like when, yeah. when the when a weird thing happens, yeah. like it's and very, if it's serious, it's just more heightened. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like if a weird, yeah, when weird things happen, like sometimes I I have like a laugh response. <laughs> yeah, you know, to to a yeah. weird thing happening, or you know, somebody will like tell a maybe a story or share a piece of information that's not intended to be like funny or yeah. or something and I might be like, whoa, that's insane. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, imagine yeah. this. Yeah, and then like and then you know, and what like if this happened too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, geez. And they're like, no, that would be horrible. Why would you think that? So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate um, to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, so maybe maybe so, but but I say for the most part, any rewiring was for the good. Yeah. I mean I, I definitely as somebody that didn't continue really performing necessarily, I definitely feel like I use it a lot. Like yeah. both creatively and also as a parent, like yeah. with kids, because that's play basically, yeah. you know, I mean, they call, when you do a show, they call it playing or player, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. it, it makes sense that it's, it's sort of like keeping a certain playful part of your brain alive a little bit. I think bit. so. And I think also able to like play with my kid in a way where I know that I'm showing him constructive ways to play. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. building on somebody else's idea and, you know, things like that. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. I definitely use my old improv and improv teaching come in when I'm just yeah. playing cards. Yeah, if with you're going to say no, you better do it in a funny way. Yeah. You can't yeah. just shut something down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have something else coming up. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, I mean, I, I have to mention uh, History of the World Part Two. Oh, uh, yeah. Fucking so funny. That Ch Shirley Chisholm sitcom. Yeah, so dude. Uh, thanks, man. Another situation where I kind of go in and it's like, you know, Kroll and Barinholtz, which to me is so fun because those are two different worlds for me. So yeah, like, totally. So like yeah. Nick Kroll is, you know, UCB and yep. kind of that world in New York. And he was then, in Little Man. Like, do you remember Little Man? And also Berbiglia. It was it was like a oh, bunch of like Georgetown yeah. buddies yeah, 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 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the group. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, their yeah. card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you have, uh, you know, Ike who, you know, Boom Chicago, Mad TV. And so like to go there and like see just everybody, it's just, just an incredible show, super fun to work on. So yeah, check it out. I'm in it a lot more than I thought I would be. I thought, I thought it was just going to be like one episode, but it's, uh, they yeah, spread, it's like they spread the yeah. runner throughout. So yeah. yeah and Wanda fun. Sykes is a fucking legend. That's, She's that's, a legend, dude. Yeah. We have Wanda Sykes and, uh, Kim Whitley oh, wow. and Marla Gibbs, who's like, you know, royalty. And yeah, so like yeah. this, it, to do like this and then do a sitcom with them. I mean, it, it looked, it, it looked fun. fun. It looked like you were having fun. Like oh, I had a blast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a blast. <laughs> it was one of those things where the fun is like contagious. You know, you're like, that guy's having fun. So I'm having fun. Yeah, he's you having know? a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, dude, well, thank you so much for doing this. Of it's, course. It's fucking always amazing to see you. And, thank and, you, uh, man. Yeah. Like, and uh, be so sure to check out you. The Recruit. Oh, yeah. Season dude, two of The Recruit. So I saw that, too. Uh, and uh, that's some real acting, dude. That's real acting. Yeah. yeah that was yeah, uh, yeah. his first non-comedy role that I've done. So, uh, yeah, check it out. I play a grumpy CIA lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> thank you, Colton Dunn. Really appreciate Colton being on the show. Colton, as you could tell, was a part of a lot of different scenes, which I always appreciated. Uh, sometimes UCB could get a little insular, to put it mildly. Love hearing about Boom Chicago. Definitely curious to learn more about that scene because of the amount of talent that's come out of there, but also it's just a cool example of how a theater can affect the city it's in and vice versa. Life and Comedy is recorded at Jet Road Studios. Please rate and review and hand out some flyers if you feel like it. Also check out the show Instagram at lifeandcomedy underscore podcast. Next guest is Bobby Moynihan from SNL. We discuss the Lofi origin story and also uh, Sideways Dracula, which is what it sounds like. Thank you for listening.